I'm going to start with um, one of the Brahma Viharas that is arising for me right now. So this evening I'd like to, or this afternoon I'd like to reflect on the four qualities of love that are the faces of the awakened mind. The four we chanted in the ceremony with the phones, Metta, Mudita, Upeka, Karuna. And as Yanai just came in then, I know uh, he's just had a visit with Joseph, who's the founder here and a much beloved elder and was teacher of ours. And and I know he got a a short, valuable hour with Joseph, or not even, because he had to come back for the talk, but he's just come back in, so I saw him, and it's like, oh, I'm glad for your good fortune. (laughs) Happy for your happiness. And that's the the gladness that comes from this. That I don't get to see Joseph. <laughs> He's got special access. I haven't asked, but um, there's my joy in his good fortune, and that's immeasurable. That's without end. There's more and more of that. It's without limit, both without limit spatially, but also without limit as to what it can come into contact with. Right. There isn't an obstacle, there isn't one thing that that can arise in the world, inner or outer, that these four beautiful qualities together cannot, not only cannot meet, but meets with roots that allow wisdom, love, flexibility, skill. So let us celebrate, lift these up, put them on the map for our retreat. They may already have been on your map, they may be on your daily map of practice, but I'd like to reflect on them with us tonight, this afternoon. Not quite sure if it's night yet, or this afternoon. Huh? Close enough. Close enough. enough. So I want to start with a reflection, a story. (coughs) A good number of years ago now, I was on retreat in Holland, and I shared a room with a woman, and it had a partition uh, between us. I could walk around that way. I was in that part. She was in that part. And it was lunchtime, and I was in resting in my bit. She came in. Well, I didn't know who came in. I assumed it was her. Or I didn't know how many people. But I heard a voice out loud speaking, saying, What shall we do together this lunchtime, beloved Kyo? And that's, she spoke in English. She was actually Dutch, but the retreat was in English, so she was probably thinking in English. She spoke in English. And in Dutch, there's this, as many languages, this endearment that you can put on the end of your people's names. I think in Dutch, it's like shh or something, kyo, shh, something like that. Maybe someone can tell me. So what would you like, what should we do together this lunchtime, kyosha? And I wondered who was speaking to her. Like, did two people come in? Was there another voice I didn't recognize yet? So I kind of sort of peered around the corner. I think we were supposed to be in silence. Uh, Peered around the corner, and she was talking to herself. She was talking to herself with such tender, loving friendship that I hadn't come across. I've heard about that. I'd heard about that. But it was just normal. She wasn't doing it for sure. It wasn't even a practice. It was just normal. And it really struck me. And I aspired to be able to treat myself and hold myself so dear. Because it is in holding ourselves dear in this way that we are resourced and hold others dear. As to all, as to myself. That's the meta refrain. To each as to myself. I recognize that you're the same kind as me. Kindred, kind. You're the same kind as me. And more and more and more can get seen as of the same kind. Not not flattening differences and the importance of that, not at all. But at that fundamental level, that kind that wants to be met with love and seen with kindness and tenderness and not messed about with, met with respect and 
dignity. So, in practice, we can train the heart. We can train the heart to come into the world with the I, E-Y-E, of kindness. And even if you already do, it is immeasurable, without limit. There's more, there's more roots, more, more. So the cultivation of these four qualities, these four intentions also, why? Do you need me to sell it again? (laughs) Maybe. Sometimes it's really important to have the conceptual pieces. Um, Actually, not sometimes. It is important to have the conceptual pieces really clear because when we hit the moments of doubt, when we hit the moments of, oh, that's enough now, enough kindness, um, we can refer to the conceptual frameworks to help stabilize and go further. So the why, um, because we can speak to ourselves like she did, right? That's a small why. Because, number two, they are beautiful places to dwell. They are divine abidings. Brahma, divinity. Vihara, abiding. Divine abidings. Number three, This cultivation, when it's available, it makes letting go easier. It makes insight, has a fertile ground for insight that liberates. If that's not enough of a cell, they are needed for sanity. For sanity in our relationship with ourself and others. So that I don't only try to make sense of you through my own terms. I don't insist on making sense of you with my own patterns of thinking, my own ways of seeing. I'm willing to accept your radical otherness, right, in the best sense, not othering, your radical otherness, this kind of, wow, we're so extraordinarily different from each other. I'm willing to accept your radical otherness, and I'm still connected to you. These Brahma-viharas are not only feeling states, they are intentions and they lead to actions. And the last part of the cell, before we get there. The Buddha, an awakened one, has these faces. This is how they come into the world. And I remember my Zen teacher saying the story, Somebody asked the Zen master, what was the Buddha doing during her lifetime? This poetic tradition. What was the Buddha doing during her lifetime? God, you could say a lot. He had a really long dispensation, really many years. And the Zen master, in classical Zen style, says, an appropriate response. That's what the Buddha was doing. And the response comes through those faces of the kindness, the joy, the compassion, and the equanimity, which we'll get to. (coughs) So, this afternoon, see, I invite us, including myself, to listen to these um, maps, pieces of the map, at the conceptual level, absolutely. Maybe there's some practice tips that comes in that we can apply later. Yes, absolutely. But I also invite us to invoke these qualities, to bring them into being here and now, to the extent that that's possible for us. And I'll say a little bit how. We can invoke these intentions, qualities, and actions by conceptually reflecting on them, by lifting them up, praising them, loving them, right? Um, and understanding them. If you are someone fortunate enough to have faith in these aspects of love, let your faith be here. That sense of possibility of, yeah, this is a really good direction for myself and the world. Let me go there. If you can bring your need, your need, Because these qualities of love arise also in relation to the human predicament. 
They are somehow have this divine quality to them, like they're uncramped. But they arise in relation to the human predicament of our struggles, our existence, our gifts, our, our peculiarness of this realm. This human realm where, as one of my teachers says, it never really comes together for very long, whatever it is you wanted to get together. It's not the realm where you get it together. It's the realm where you try to do that. And it keeps. Yeah, so God love us in this realm. And if you have no faith, you're welcome. And if you cannot sense where your need is, you're welcome. If you are full of doubt, I invite you to temporarily suspend any conviction you have in nihilism, sometimes that becomes our faith or our doctrine. Probably it's nobody's absolute doctrine here or or you wouldn't have come. But it can arise, can't it, as a convincing doctrine. Well, nothing was really the point. Yeah, love, right, but when the... the, I don't know how rude it is to say X hits the fan. (laughs) I don't know the sensibility here, so I won't say it. Uh, hits the fan, then, yeah, at the bottom line is things really don't have meaning, cannot be cultivated. If you ever hit those places in practice, you can just wink at me now. (laughs) So I invite a range of possible ways of engaging with this talk, that this space here, we could see it as a place, like like a temple, where these qualities are, these intentions are supported. It could be that you relate to this place here, that these qualities and intentions are kind of in the wings. They're just sort of in the wings, waiting to... They've just been waiting for us to be available to them. Or third, you can, and it might be available to you, to relate to this space as a divine abiding as a Brahma realm. Try it out. I'm not making it an absolute doctrine, but it is a way of looking we could adopt and see what is the effect. And our job here is to kind of tune our instrument, tune this instrument to be able to pick up the frequency of something that we could say is natural, is already here. So tonight, this afternoon, Dharma friends, perhaps the Nivarana, the veils may be drawn back like curtains at the theater and a different divine theater can be known. So just a tiny bit about your need, our need. I've been listening to people, us in the groups, and there's much that I'm hearing we come with to this place. So I'll offer some of the languages I've heard, but please bring your own of what's in your heart, because maybe you can bring your heart and anything in you that would like to be touched by these kinds of love can be welcomed here this afternoon. When we practice breathing in and breathing out with the body, you can kind of awaken some of the residues. Some of the resonances or the stuck places can start to jiggle alive again, and that's like a mixed bag, isn't it? It's like we want to feel more and be sensitive and available, but not to that. Thank you very much. So just a little bit, letting any of those resonances Maybe from the past four years, someone said it's been four years for them of chaos. Welcome. Someone said they come with an iced over heart. And these are not absolute states, right? They may have changed already, but knowing those real predicaments. Someone else said today, oh gosh, my heart is wired shut. 
wired shut. Bring the heart that has lost faith, or the heart that insists on doing it alone. I don't want any divine abiding, thank you very much. I'll do my own practice. If you have that tendency to want to do it all alone, welcome. Bring the heart that may have turned to stone or that is scared. A heart that is full of rage. The heart that is breaking with the pain of the world. And the heart that has so much to give, which is actually each one. The heart that has so much to give and seeks to be able to offer that in skillful, more and more skillful ways. So I will name them and I will give us the shorthand of these relational qualities and intentions. After that, I'll say more about each one, but let, in case I don't, in case I don't get to it, let us put the four here. Let us set the stage of all four of these Brahma Viharas here. Maybe in naming them with a faith, intention or suspension of doubt, they can sing the melody here. So the shorthand, I would like to invite us to think about the space here. So let's have metta at this side. This is a, the Buddha was sometimes known as the solar friend, solar like the sunshine, like just radiating. Right. Let's have the friendliness here. And the shorthand of the friendliness is, says, my friend. A little bit like Bhante Bodhidharma coming up to me. That was pure sunshine metta. Peace and joy, Catherine. He was wishing me well. That pure radiance. Let's have this side, if we may. And using your body, letting your body's imagination open to that possibility of that teaching, of that teacher from 2,600 years ago, yes. But there's something about, well, this teaching is still very much alive. I mean, that's a huge, huge solar force, we could say. I'm not forgetting the moon, don't worry. Right? (laughs) A huge solar force. A huge force for well-wishing. And if you haven't turned, many of you love the beloved Kuan Yin, if you haven't yet seen them at the back, let them, yeah, have a turn around for a moment. The light is right on them right now, yeah. Let this magical Kuan Yin, and you can turn, you don't have to look this way for a minute, you can swivel right around if you've got the body that can do it. This Kuan Yin, let them be the location in our divine theatre for compassion. That kind of love that can resonate with uh, suffering. And if you, many of you know this so well, this, when I get closer to her, then I start to tremble somehow. There's something so powerful for me about this image as there is for many of you here. And the crack that she has right down through her, all the way down, a fissure all the way down. Their kind of love that can resonate with pain and suffering without becoming it, without falling into the pit with you, can meet you or can meet us there. When the kind of love falls into the pit with us and commiserates, we feel less lonely, but it's not compassion yet. And the shorthand is, I care about your pain. So just imagine with me, if you will, the, uh, my friend. Imagine some benevolent other, or yourself, or Keo, my friend, my Dutch friend. I care about your pain. 
See what it would be like right now to let your body be available to that blessing. Which way? Please vote. Shall we have joy? Thank you, Kristen. There was only one vote in the house that I saw. (laughs) It's first past the post system. Right. So, mudita, joy, delight, as I had for Yano there in the beginning. Delight in the other's well-being, in their good fortune, in their beautiful qualities, in their beingness. The delight, the kind of love that resonates with gladness. It doesn't have the self-interest. I want to see Joseph. Why doesn't Joseph see me? <laughs> Why does he prefer you? Know? <laughs> and Nikki. <laughs> ah, I have joy for you, Nikki, too. Did you get to see Joseph? Yes. Um, yeah, that kind of, that kind of light touch that their good fortune takes nothing away from me. Actually, it's a kind of, uh, it's more causes for joy. So it's, it's, it's gentle joy. And let the shorthand be, I delight in your well-being. I delight in your being. Have you had enough of that in your life yet? Where others, maybe you have, some will have been really well plumped out with this. but many not but we can train it that's the beautiful thing about these qualities they can be trained enough of that I delight in you yeah that's the shorthand and lastly but by no means least equanimity upeka to this direction the view that makes all the others Brahma-viharas. They always work together, but this is so critical. And let me tell you the view that I'm offering, the shorthand I'm offering, and then the why. <coughs> I love this. I love this. I bow to this one. It's not... For me, it was the least... The least... Uh, it's not that it's done, but the least easy to know. Um... There's a phrase in some psychology of things being egocentric, things that a little bit chime with how you've come into being, right? They chime in the way that your personality chimes, and that one didn't at all. There's a lot, lots of joy in my family. Not much equanimity. The shorthand. Don't forget the others are all there at the same time. <laughs> I will let you be as you are, where you are. I see you are already perfectly intact. I see you are perfectly intact. Feel for a moment what it's like to be met with that gaze. They're with you. They're not, oh, you're perfectly intact, off I go. No, it's a kind of a love that doesn't push and pull. What is it to be seen by yourself, by another, by yourself? I see you are perfectly intact. No, I'm not. Something wrong with me. That's the default lens for many of us. And upeka, equanimity, upeka has the connotation of seeing from a great height. And this view sees, not necessarily all the details, but recognizes the infinite causes and conditions that have come to make this moment just like it is right now. This inner experience, that person, that behavior, that situation. It cannot be other than this in this moment. doesn't mean it's skillful or unskillful or there aren't responses to be made, but equanimity recognizes you are perfectly intact. I will not push and pull upon you. That is my intention. And, my friend, I care about your pain and I delight that you are here. And can you see this one without pushing and pulling? 
has its roots deep, 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 deep roots in a big view of wisdom. And when we let something be seen intact with kindness, with joy, with a light touch, with compassion, it will start to open. And we can try this out and you maybe really know this for yourself. So as I go through the four a little bit, see which ones for you are more egocentric, And if they are, then see what new you can learn about them. Because they can probably be more brought into the family of all four. And see which ones are more dystonic. It's like, ooh, I don't really know that one. Many people, I find, are, are less familiar with joy um, that I come across. I don't know you. are we? Okay. So just breathe a little bit in this possibility and see what comes up. Maybe hindrances come up and they're welcome. Maybe the veils come over even more. It's like, you know, it can bring, as we turn to these beautiful qualities, it can bring up the, it can kick up some of the dust. It can kick up some of the reactivity. Um, So really welcome. Really, really welcome. For example, with metta, as many of you know, it can bring, it's almost like you turn towards the solar friendliness. And sometimes we see the aversion kind of drawn into its wake. It's like, oh, metta. Maybe, and if you don't have that, please don't go looking <laughs> for that. Really, some people don't have that. I say with amazement and mudita. For those of you who do not have that scratchy aversion when metta is talked about, please come and have an interview with me and tell me all about it. Right. But for, for many of us will know that. And me walking through, I was did six weeks of metta practice here on that three-month retreat I did here a long time ago. And walking through that walking room to get here for every sitting took me a while to see it sort of muttering under my breath but under my breath was like well into my body somewhere in my belly I hate meta <laughs> I didn't have much room around it at the time I hate meta walking in I hate meta meta you know and trying to really God love us and didn't have much room around it but more room has come Norum has come. So these, this is something to celebrate. These are not losable. You cannot lose these qualities. They're already closer to your nature than your scratchiness, if you have scratchiness. Yay! (laughs) These are closer to what we are than your scratchiness. Even if there's, if anyone now, when I say that, this is actually who you are, I'm just positing a little doctrine here. This is actually more closer to who you are than your adherence to nihilism and hate, if you have that, even secretly, sometimes. And I just want to welcome you if you're holding on going, no, it's not. And you don't have to believe it. But sometimes, like with Bhante Bodhidharma, sometimes we have the good fortune to see an example in the human world, all the more than human world, of beings whose metta or other of the Brahma Viharas, there's something about it we, we recognize. It's for all our, if I wear the scratchy kind, or the aversive kind, for all our doubt, for all our hate, for all our looking for fakeness, it's not, it's not the real thing, for all our insistence that there's a binary of love and hate and really when it comes to it, hate will win. No, this isn't a binary of love and hate. This is a love that can wrap its cloak of care around the hate, not in a way that the hate would go, get off me, but in just the right way. 
perfectly intact. It's a love that is bigger, more divine, with roots much deeper than the hate. These are unlosable. They may be nivaranad. Right, that's a new verb for the hindrances have come over. But it's hardwired into us, if we like that kind of way of thinking. They are virtues, they can be trained. This is the good news about the Buddha Dharma. We can train this heart and mind. It, it, we really can. <laughs> we really can. I'm, I'm <coughs> I want to say that humbly, actually, after practicing for 30 years. It's like metta was never a nat- natural, easy one for me. Um, and all that training, that six weeks, I was planting the seed. I had to just trust. They're telling me this will bear fruit. I don't know. I don't, I don't actually sense it right now. My body would get contracted. I would try too hard. I would... Um, I don't know. But there is more access now. We can take these up as practices. Very simply, the shorthand of each one can be phrases that we offer to ourselves and offer into the world. What a way to come into the kitchen with your family member or friend. Don't have to say it. You, you, you might. They might be one of the friends that you can say that to. I will let you be as you are where you are. I see you are intact. My intention is not to push and pull on you. Forgive me when I do. I know that's not a pathway that leads onward. And I ask for forgiveness when I push and pull on you because I invariably will. But there's a direction here I want to travel. And these are aspects of realization. I said that already, of the awakened mind. A mind that is free from all troublement, from troubling the waters. The waters may have trouble, but the waters aren't troubled by our constant provoking them in that way. In the... I I understand from a... Dharma teacher friend and colleague and a scholar, Pali scholar, that in the Sutta Nipata, which is one of the oldest strata of the Pali canon, there's the Metta Sutta. And there's a very simple and direct message from the Buddha there. It's brief, it's free of sentimentality, And the Buddha expresses, this is my colleague's words, the Buddha expresses the quintessence of the Dhamma and describes the best way to live in the world and to liberation. By coming into this world with the eye of kindness and compassion. To come into the world, to come into the moment of perception with the eye, E-Y-E, of kindness. In this strata of the canon, From the Buddha's perspective, the maintenance of mindfulness, of sati, right? The maintenance of mindfulness is equivalent to suffusing the world with kindness and compassion. So that our mindfulness is bodyfulness and heartfulness, brahma-vihara-fulness. Because that awakened face, that's how they show up. So I'll just say that once more. From this perspective, the Buddha is positing that the maintenance of sati is equivalent to suffusing the world with kindness and compassion. And with our emphasis on body here, we can abide And when we can abide, that means like be at home here, abide is like abode, like home. When we can abide, we can pervade. 
And when we can abide, we can pervade. And then when we chant that chant, it, we can practice it. Right? I will abide pervading one quarter with a heart imbued with loving kindness. I will abide pervading. It's not even later. It's not will, I'll do it next week after the retreat's ended. But let that will, I will, which incidentally, when I read you the sutta that this, that comes from, I don't see the word will there. It's, it's like a, an addition. It's more like, I will, let the will like be the ground up. No, right now. Right now I'm going to play with that possibility of abiding. Okay, let me just entertain the possibility that the four Brahma Viharas are here and here. Got my body. How about I abide radiating, pervading? Don't know what it means. But let me play with this direction of practice with a light touch. The more body, the more pervading. In fact, that same scholar, I know these words are sometimes fiercely debated by Pali scholars, I I believe, but the root of metta comes from the Sanskrit mit. This is from him which has a connotation, as these syllables often have many connotations, it has a connotation of growing fat, right, plump, right? Sitting here on our cushion, growing plump with metta, like a fruit, like a big apple, or mango, or pear. Some good pears out there. Poof. Right, growing fat, so from the Tevija Sutta, Diganikaya. With his heart filled with loving kindness, he dwells suffusing one quarter, the second, feel it spatially, the third, the fourth. Thus he dwells suffusing the whole world, upwards, downwards, across and everywhere, always with a heart filled with loving kindness, abundant, unbounded, without hate or ill will. Then listen to the really cool image that he says next. I I like it. Just as a mighty trumpeter were with little difficulty to make a proclamation to the four quarters. Right? Just as a mighty trumpeter, it's got that, can have that kind of force, that kind of angelic message, like, da-da! Not showy, but with a force that's rooted deeply, deeply, deeply. Just as a mighty trumpeter. Now, if, as I say this, you're cycling more into nihilism, (laughs) nihilism, if anyone is, I still got you. We're still here, right? But I invite all of us to entertain that possibility that these qualities are not only available, not only more natural to us, but as we sensitize in in the silence, we might hear, metaphorically, the mighty trumpeter of these divine abidings. They're not ours. They're not mine. But they are rooted deeply and we are heirs to their gifts. <coughs> so I'm, where am I in, the, in my pages? About halfway through. And I'm keen, so I'm, you're hearing my inner process now. Uh, excuse me. Uh, keen to not go too late with this. So maybe I will touch lightly on each one, just some key points. Before I do, let's sit. You don't need to close your eyes. Let's just resonate a little bit with the possibilities to see how much either need, faith, access to this or willingness to suspend doubt and breathe a little bit with 
that in you that wants, needs, loves for the sake of yourself and the world. Breathe with that humbly that we can't do this on our own. But we can practice and we can bow. I don't mean you have to bow physically, I mean metaphorically. You can bow physically. But I mean the inner gesture of bowing at the altar of these possibilities. Breathing out. And breathing in. With your gifts and your heartbreak. And your disconnect. And your radiance. To discriminate these qualities more and more precisely, we're offered a framework, as many of you know, to see the near enemy, those things that are, look like metta from the outside, but when we look closely, they are not. And the far enemies, that which is almost opposite. The near enemy is a kind of greed where we see the advantage of things in others. Like, I want to be your friend because there's going to be something in it for me. Or with my new niece's baby that was born, when they sometimes appear edible (laughs) when they're born. I love you so much I could eat you. That's not quite meta. It's got a lot of enthusiasm, it's got a lot of resonance, Uh, it's missing a few other bits. Yeah, you can have the enthusiasm in it, but if you've got the equanimity, then I leave that niece, great niece intact, right? And I don't just mean I'm not going to eat her, Um, but even the way that can, you know, spill over into touch or gesture or something where she's kind of missed. far enemy, classically it's ill will, wishing ill for the other, hoping things go wrong for the other. It's really hard to admit, isn't it? Go on, admit it. (laughs) If you have it. If you don't, don't look for it. But kind of really glad when things go wrong for for someone. Uh, Not anyone, but those ones particularly that everything seems to go well for. Or whatever it is. Um, Not, yeah. It's humbling, and as, as we practice more and the chitta gets brighter, we might see that. We might have come on the other, come here a few days ago and thought, I don't have ill will. Well, I used to think I was a nice person before I practiced. <laughs> and then, then I get to see, as the chitta gets brighter, you get to see the tendencies like, ooh, am I actually getting worse? Am I devolving here? Or is it that actually I'm getting to see the things that were running me before? It's usually that one. If you're worried about devolving, come and find a friend after every few years and ask, ask them, a trusted friend or a teacher. I remember a monk, um, another monk, really old Thai monk who came to a temple opening in England, the Amravati Monastery, had a big, big new temple opening, 1999. Tons of monks and nuns came. And at the end of the ceremony, he, this old one, I think he was a great old, I didn't even know his name. He was sort of probably too old to move, actually. He was still on the dais there. And I found my heart really attracted. Like there was something about that that I was drawn to. We're, when, when metta is there, we're drawn. It's a, it's a natural attraction. In, I don't mean a romantic attraction, but something trustworthy there. It's like there's something I naturally want to come closer to there. 
And my aversion tightened up. I could feel my body wanting to move towards to bow and make blessing. And the tightening up on this spontaneous upwelling of love for this man um, was kind of trying to justify, don't bow towards men. Don't bow towards the patriarch. You know, kind of like trying to sneer myself out of this spontaneous uprising of really beautiful love for this monk. Sometimes we resist the arising of love, whether it's the love in seeing the metta out there or just the love that's arising here, the metta here, for ourselves or the world. Because love has the effect of softening us and illuminating our contractions and we melt a little bit in the face of love and sometimes that can challenge our self-sufficiency and our no, 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 I'm going to do it on my own do you see that monk? right we soften and widen the image given in the commentaries of a mother and a, and a newborn when that's going well and there's a kind of in-loveness they can be. And we can train that, even if we feel a deficit of it. Either way, right? It's not only that we receive, we can also offer. This can be trained. The near, the far enemy of compassion, of Kuan Yin, is cruelty. Again, I didn't think I was, actually I did know from some cruel things as a kid, but I didn't think of myself as a cruel person until I practice and see the ways we can be so cruel to ourselves. The phrase I love actually even more than I care about your pain. Another shorthand from the commentaries. The image is given of a mother, again, um, at the door. And the baby is in the room, but she's at the door. And the baby's asleep. She's not right there with them. She's at the door. And her conviction and her phrases, may no harm come to this one. May no harm come to this one. It's protective, strong, even fierce, as well as intimate and tender. May no harm come to this one. How would it be to speak to ourselves? that way. May no harm come to this one. And let that phrase sink deeply into your soil. I'm going to pause there and a little bit more about joy and equanimity can come further along if needed. Let us sit in the silence. Don't have to move posture. See if and some of you were speaking about this, the, this hall imbued with the practice of many, many people for many, many years. Sometimes people become sensitive to a kind of silence in here, almost palpable, rich, almost like a salt, salt water, buoyant for you to rest in.
Breathing out, dear Sangha. Making yourself available, if you will, to the mighty trumpeter that is you and that is more than you. Listening in words, through the sound of silence, through the wholesome desire in your heart. My friend, may no harm come to you. I care about your pain. And I delight in your beingness. And I will let you be intact. And when I forget, please forgive me. May you be well, dear friend. May you live with ease. May you be safe and protected. May the heart know release. May you know you are loved. May all your agitation be soothed. May all your rigidity be held with true buoyancy. So that you may be released. with the earth as your witness. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.